0: I'm excited about our upcoming Serving Sunday. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to um, have a presence in our community, doing things that Christ asked us to do. So I pray and I hope that you will seriously consider uh, being a part of what, what we're gonna do. So um, I was feeling like I might need to take a minute and clarify something in case anybody's confused. You might hear the word roots quite a bit around here lately let me just kind of explain that to you Um, we are in the series or in a theme for the year 2024 which we've called putting down roots the um, the picture of roots throughout the bible is often in reference to the things that we hold on to the things that we believe and that we trust in and so what we're doing in 2024 is we're exploring some of the important or essential beliefs of our Christian faith. So we'll be doing that all year, looking at a number of different of the foundational beliefs of our faith as Christians. And then we've been talking about this thing called Rooted. They are related. Rooted is a 10-week small group experience where people will be exploring a further study of the things that we believe as Christians and some of the important practices of our faith and we're excited that's going to embark here on February the 28th so that's coming up here this coming Wednesday and if you haven't already signed up to be a part of Rooted I'd encourage you to be a part we have a lot of people who have said yes we have a number of uh, life groups that are committed to exploring the the Rooted experience and um, I hope that uh you'll join us I'm really really excited about I think it's going to be a really wonderful way to kind of knit our church family together around a shared experience of what it is that we're learning about our faith make sense all right so for the past six weeks as a part of our putting down roots series we've been looking at a certain topic we've been looking at the topic of the sovereignty of God the first of the topics that we're exploring in this year-long series now I I happen to come from a position that says what we conclude about the sovereignty of God actually lays the groundwork for the rest of all of our other beliefs as faith as as Christians Um, A confidence in the sovereignty of God and what we decide about it will determine a lot of what we decide about all the other things that we commit to believing together as Christians. And so um, I was prepared to conclude that conversation today. However, in preparing my message, I realized I had far too much material than I could get done in the time that was allotted. So I made the executive decision that we're going to extend this series one more Sunday. So if you'll come back next Sunday, I'd like to conclude the series on the topic of sovereignty. Now, we have not exhausted the topic of sovereignty, as you could imagine. We've just scratched the surface. But I really encourage you to come back next Sunday to hear the conclusion of the topic. Because what I want to deal with is how does our belief in a sovereign God impact real everyday life? I'm of the mind that if we have a faith that doesn't work in everyday life what good is our faith and so i want to try to help us understand what happens in our life what's different about the way we go about living our life when we have a firm belief in a sovereign god but today today i want to pursue it more from a futuristic perspective like what's to come in relationship to trust in a sovereign god you guys you guys game all right so throughout the bible old testament new testament the writers of scripture often use pictures word pictures to try to help us understand, understand dimensions or attributes of what god is like now those pictures are really helpful because after all we are finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. So when the writers of scripture provide us pictures, it helps us to understand God a little bit better. Now these pictures are never intended to be exhaustive. They just highlight or illustrate maybe a dimension of God. And then another picture can help us with something else about understanding the nature of God. So think of some of the popular ones. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a picture it's a picture that helps us understand a little bit of what God is like. And so the more we understand about what a shepherd does, then we can understand a little bit more about what God does. Our father who art in heaven, it's a picture that God is a father. He is a heavenly father an engaged, responsible, mature, wise kind of dad. And the more we understand about that kind of a healthy father, the more we can understand a little bit about what God is like. God is described as a fortress. God is described as a shield. God is described as the bread of life or the living water. These are all pictures that help us understand a little bit more of what God is like. But the most frequent picture... That's used throughout the Bible in relationship to the sovereignty of God. Is the picture of a king. Now I believe that God is a king. King of the universe. It's also a picture to help us understand a little bit. Of what God is like and what God does. Now unfortunately it's not very familiar to us. As 21st century Americans. But that kind of understanding was absolutely central to the worship of Old Testament Israel. In fact, do you know what the word worship means? Do you? The word worship means to bow down or to kiss. Which was a popular or familiar expression of giving reverence to a king. And So this sort of spirit of the of an understanding of God as king was central to how Israel went about worshiping. So we have a passage like Psalm 95, which is just is an illustration of this. Here was the spirit of Israel in its worship Oh, come, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise. That's the kind I make. Make a joyful noise to the rock. It's a picture, a rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with a spirit of thanksgiving. Let us make a, here it is again, a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a what? A great God. He's a great king above all the other gods that are imagined out there. In his hands, This God who's the great king in his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. This is the God who created the entire universe. Genesis chapter one in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Oh come let us worship him and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. That's a word for king. Let us kneel before the Lord. He's our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. The sheep of his hands. Because the Lord is a shepherd. But I want to draw your attention to this. Let us worship and bow down. You got it? Now just stick that in your pocket for a minute. Because we're going to come back to that here in a second. Now, God is a king. The problem is that we as 21st century Americans, we don't immediately relate to some of the pictures that we find in the scriptures. I mean, there's not a lot of us who are making a living as shepherds. And as Americans, we've not understood what it is to live in the context of the rule of a king. That's not familiar to us. We don't really resonate with that sort of a picture because we've grown up in a constitutional republic with the ideas of democracy. We don't know what it's like to live underneath a king. We are a group of people who are leaders are representatives that we elect we have a vote we have a voice this is the nature of our experience in the government that we have always known and enjoyed now it's not news that there's a lot of tension in our nation these days there's a lot of angst in the public because there's some people of the United States who feel like there's another group of people in our United States who are interested in changing things, reimagining our nation, redefining our nation, restructuring our nation. And not everybody is convinced that that's for our good. that that is good but we have a voice and we have a vote and we as a people that live in a constitutional republic we we have an ability to influence how we are led but when you talk about a sovereign king we don't get a voice we don't get a vote That's the nature of what it means to be sovereign. It's interesting. I I did a little research. There's only seven absolute sovereign places in the United States where there's a king who has all the rule, makes all the rules, has all the say. Just seven small little places through Africa and China. So it's not a very familiar picture to us. It's not necessarily something that we understand. In fact, our familiarity with the rule of a king is usually restricted to two understandings. Either what we've read in historical books or watched in movies. That's our understanding of a king. Or in more contemporary terms, most of our understanding of a king is that of a dictator. So not a very healthy picture. So that, in a sense, cripples us a little bit of an understanding of God being described as a king. Does that make sense? So, today I want to talk with you a little bit about the prerogative of one who is sovereign. And to do that, I need to help you understand a very particular expression that we see in relationship to how sovereigns were treated throughout the Bible. And one of those very particular expressions, you ready? Is the practice of bowing down or bending a knee. All throughout the Bible, whenever sovereign? rulers are engaged when you come into their presence it was wise for you to bow down in fact one of the expressions of bowing down was to lie prostrate be careful it's prostrate (laughs) that is to lie down on your face on your belly in front of the king at his feet because the person understood that to come into the presence of the sovereign king. That the slightest bit of misstep. The king could decide to have your life ended. So you went into the presence of the sovereign king. And you immediately went low. You, you bowed your knee as a way of demonstrating reverence. Of showing respect, of indicating your humility before a person with such great power, I need you to remember the expression of bowing down or bowing a knee. You still with me? All right. So I wanna take you to a couple passages of scripture this morning. And I want you to pay attention. To the expression of reverence and respect. So it's interesting. The Apostle Paul. He writes a number of different letters. That become the New Testament. Writes them to churches in the first century. He wrote some of the letters to a young pastor. His name was Timothy. And in one of his discussions with Timothy. It's interesting how the Apostle Paul concludes a paragraph. He writes this. Now to the king. So the Apostle Paul is recognizing Jesus as king. Now to the king, the one who's eternal, the one who is immortal, the one who is mysteriously invisible. He's the only God and he is worthy of honor and glory. For how long? Forever and ever. Now, that little phrase right there, forever and ever, that's an interesting little grammatical use. Because he could have said this, now to the king eternal, the king immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever. That would just about take care of it, wouldn't it? But no, he wants to make sure that we understand clearly that he's going to be the king forever and ever. In other words, when we get done with forever, There's going to be a big, huge dose of more forever placed on top of it forever and ever now to the king forever and ever. Here's what he wants us to understand. God will never cease being the sovereign ruler of the universe. There's never going to be a day. There's never going to come a time. There's never going to arise a situation where God is not the sovereign ruler of the universe. Do you understand that? Friends, we live in a world. We live in a time. We live in a culture. We live in a society. We live in a nation. That would like us to think otherwise. That God is no longer the king. That God has somehow been relocated to the past. The old man in the sky that nobody believes in anymore. Or at least nobody with a brain. Or nobody with an education. You see, our society likes to think that God is just outdated and unpopular. He's to be just tossed aside like the boogeyman and the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny and Santa Claus. Sorry, if you have kids in the room. from the atheistic belief that permeates our society telling us that there is no God to the progressive ideologies of our day that declares that things like God and the Bible are ancient myths rooted in outdated misguided truths old beliefs that simply perpetuate hateful systems like patriarchy and sexism and racism and homophobia and transphobia that's all that God is in many people's minds it's all based on illegitimate science outdated truths irrelevant ways of life Because we live in a nation and a world that no longer believes that God is a great king. We're living in a time when Christians are being more and more demeaned. And confronted and punished for their spiritual or biblical beliefs. All of it, a form of social bullying designed to intimidate Christians into silence to move them out of the marketplace of discussion because their beliefs are unpopular and outdated we live in a world now where God is no longer the king forever and ever I just, I'm inviting you to sit in that for a moment. It's very real. We're naive to think otherwise. But you need to hear the truth of God's word. We read in Philippians chapter 2, God exalted Jesus to the highest place gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus ready ready at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth i don't care where you're found every knee will bow every tongue will acknowledge that jesus christ is king lord and that is what brings glory to god our father is understanding who jesus is as the king to whom we bow The book of Romans tells us this. For we will all stand. We will all stand before God's judgment, God's judgment seat, his courtroom where he sits on the throne. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow. Before me, every tongue will acknowledge that I am God. So then each of us will give an account for ourselves to God. Each of us will give an account for ourselves before God. Every knee will bow. Every knee includes your knee. And my knee. Every knee will bow. Someday, you will find yourself on your knees before the sovereign God of the universe. The Bible wants us to understand that. Every one of us in this room, someday we will find ourselves on our knees before the sovereign God of the universe. I should probably tell you that every example in the Bible where somebody finds themselves on their knees before the living God, they were usually left speechless. They shuddered for fear of their life. And they were absolutely humbled by their inadequacy and their sinfulness. So this giving an account for our lives, the Bible speaks to it very specifically. We read about it in Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne. What is a throne for? it's the seat where a king sits then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it and the earth and the heavens they fled from his presence and there was no place for anybody to hide And I saw the dead, I saw the great ones and the small ones, the rich and the poor ones, the educated and uneducated, the white collar and the blue collar. I saw them all, the great and the small, standing before that throne. And books were opened. And there was a particular book that was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Folks, please trust me. I'm not sharing any of this with you this morning. I'm not reading any of these passages with the hope of scaring you. I just want you to know. There will be a day when you will bow your knee in humble submission before the sovereign God of the universe. The question is, when are you going to do that? because the sovereign God is on record as saying every knee will bow. The question is when? And the wonderful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the wonderful story of the scriptures is that you could do that now. You could bend your knee in humility and reverence to God. As the sovereign king of the universe. You could do that now, or you can wait until you stand before him in eternity. And from what I understand from the Bible is when you decide to do that makes all the difference in the world. So let me, let me net it out for you like this. We're talking about a sovereign God. This sovereign God is described in two ways throughout the scriptures. He's a righteous judge and he will judge correctly. He can also be a gracious father, a father of love and compassion who will deal with his children in grace. You can stand before God having rejected the salvation that's been offered by Jesus, and you can know him as your righteous judge. Or you could have received the salvation that's provided by Jesus through his work on the cross and his resurrection, and you know God as your gracious father. You could have spent your life bowed down to the ways of this world the thinking of this world, the ideologies of this world, the philosophies of this world, and you can stand before a righteous judge. Or you could have chosen to have bowed down to the ways of Jesus and his life and know this sovereign God is your gracious father. You you can be a good person, well-intentioned, well-meaning, doing lots of wonderful, benevolent sorts of things in your life, and you can be found in your own righteousness, the things that you did to earn your way to heaven and stand before a righteous judge and hope that your good works are enough. Or you can be found in the righteousness that Christ bestows on you Through your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior. And know God as your gracious father. And I'll simply say this. You do not want to stand in the courtroom of God. Without Jesus on your side. Folks this is the beauty of what's called the gospel of Jesus. Is that we can be rescued from our foolishness. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth back in the first century. We, we Christians, we're Christ's ambassadors. We have this amazing message to share. It's as though God were making his appeal through us. God wants the world to know we are his ambassadors. And here's the message. We implore you. We beg you. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Whatever you do, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God because God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us. God takes your sins and places them on his son Jesus at the cross so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. He takes our sin and he places it on Jesus and he takes Jesus' righteousness and he places it on us when we put our faith in Jesus as our Savior and make him our king that is the message of the gospel the great exchange that every single human being on the planet throughout history absolutely needs when it comes to standing before a sovereign God John writes to all who received Christ invited Christ into their life to those who believed in his name the name of Jesus that name that God placed above every other name he gave the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. So I ask you this important question. I ask me this important question. When you meet the sovereign God of the universe face to face, will he be your father or will he be your judge? That's the great question. Will he be your father Who you know as the gracious one toward you because you followed his instructions and placed your faith in jesus are you going to stand back to finally say i'll take my chances with the judge as you might imagine it's not being it's not easy being a preacher these days we live in a society where words can get you in a lot of trouble we happen to make a living using words now i want to be really careful what i'm about to explain to you i have a person in my life i'm going to work really hard not to share any pronouns so that You won't know if it's a man or a woman. And don't spend a second trying to figure out who it is. (laughs) I have a person in my life. They often listen to my messages. Sometimes when they're here in the room. and Sometimes online. And it's been my conclusion now that they listen with a very particular ear. Always listening for another reason why they disagree with me. I'm really not sure why they keep listening. I really am confused by it. You see, I've determined that we have a very different conclusion about how to interpret the Bible and how to explain the nature of God. Evidently, we look at it from very different perspectives. And on any given Sunday, when I've attended to certain issues or topics, they, they never pass up the opportunity to chase me down after a service and to engage with me about their, uh, their disagreement. We, we've had a couple of intense interactions. And, you know, I, I, I want to be a good person, and I want to be a good pastor. And so I listen. I come from curious. curious. I try to listen to understand i try to appreciate where they're coming from i try to be very gentle in my response but they are a bit of a bulldog (laughs) and they do not like to let things go and one of the complaints that they have about me as a teacher is they they want to constantly remind me that when I talk about certain topics I make certain people uncomfortable and I'm turning them off to God rather than turning them toward God in case I didn't know that <laughs> and, and I've finally narrowed it down that there's about three topics that they take great exception with anytime I talk about different religions you see they come from the perspective that all religions are the same there's different words for god different names for god but if a person is sincere and a person is devout to their beliefs we'll all make it to heaven to the same god they are of the camp uh, two plus two equals four and three plus one equals four and one plus three equals four and five minus one equals four that we all get to the same place And they hear me say things that seem to suggest otherwise and they take great disagreement with it the other topic that they tend to be very very concerned about how i handle is topics having to do with alternative lifestyles gender identity and sexual transition and after a long time of going back and forth over these things I finally decided to have a conversation and I framed it this way I said obviously you and I approach things very differently when it comes to understanding God in the Bible we have very different perspectives and it seems like the likelihood that you and I are ever going to agree is very unlikely and it seems like the only nature of our relationship with one another is that it's very defensive our only interactions seem to be confrontive and combative and i don't think that's good for either of us for you or for me so what do you say we just think about it a different way and i'm being completely sincere when I say this to you. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I believe. It doesn't matter what I say. I'm just a guy. I'm just another human being. I'm a normal average person, just like everybody else. I like you, I have different perspectives and thoughts on things that are important when it comes to life and faith, just like you. And yes, probably at times I interject my own bias and opinions and preferences into that. Yes, because we all make that mistake from time to time. But here's what I need you to understand. I will not answer for you for your life your beliefs or your truth I'll have my own to answer for I will stand before God someday just like you and give an account of how I went about living my life based on the beliefs that I arrived at so here's what I said to him go ahead go ahead I encourage you in fact I urge you you do the work. You do the research. Study your Bible. Study any other authoritative input that you recognize. Study the Quran. Study the Pearl of Great Price or the Book of Mormon. Study all your favorite philosophers, your favorite professors or podcasters. Do the research. Make the effort to understand your subject. Draw whatever conclusions you like. Then prepare to stand before the sovereign God of the universe someday and make your very best case. Tell him the chapters and verses that you favor, the philosophies that you believe, the ideology that you accept. Make your best case. But I encourage you to really know your stuff. Help him understand maybe what he's missing. I'm sure he's going to be delighted to hear from you because at the end of the day, it all comes down to you and him. It's not about me. It all comes down to you and him, but I should probably tell you that God's truth is eternal and inflexible he bows to nobody or to nothing he is not driven by the polls of popularity the tumultuous waves of politically correct progressive thought or woke ideological chaos of our time he is not in any way subject to what's happening in our nation and our world you should probably know this The sovereign God of the universe will have absolutely no qualms about insisting that you see things his way. And there are people in our nation that would lose their ever loving mind if they heard me say that. (laughs) But that's the prerogative of being sovereign. Regardless of your objections, regardless of your feelings, regardless of your opinions... He will insist that you see things his way, regardless of how sincere you are, how strongly you believe what you hold to be true. He will insist that you see things his way because he is the sovereign, eternal, immortal, invisible God of the universe. And you can't afford to get it wrong on that day. So know your stuff. my best advice to you is turn to Jesus today. Humble your heart and your mind and bow the knee to Jesus now so that you can know God as your heavenly father instead of taking the chances of standing before the sovereign God of the universe someday as your righteous judge. Do that today, now, while you still can. Folks, I've been at this now for 35 years. And I meet people all the time, men and women, and they say, well, preacher, I appreciate your zeal, but I bow to no one. and I laugh because I go you bow to so many people you (laughs) bow to your employer you bow to your friends who you want to be liked you bow you bow to social media and how many hits and likes that you get you bow to lifestyles that you think are right for you many people they bow to their children we bow to things all the time. The question is, are you willing and ready to bow to the sovereign God of the universe, the great king? And people cross their arms and they manage all their bravado and all the machismo and they'll say, well, preacher, I'll just take my chances on that day. And I wish you the very best. But you need to know on that day you will bow a knee because the sovereign god of the universe has declared that every knee will bow when is up to you make sense thanks for listening let me ask you to stand together father in heaven, these are big weighty things. Help us understand them. To see you as you truly are. Not as our world would like to remake you. You're the sovereign eternal king of the universe. And I, I choose today. To bow my knee before you to receive your grace your forgiveness and your salvation i do so with a humble heart thank you for your generous offer in the name of christ i pray amen, amen. thanks everybody have a great week we'll see you next sunday